This week on Bob Into Buildings, I'm taking a look at the Gaiety Theatre and the Villa Marina Complex. I've seen an elevation plan on a wall in the Ellis Brown offices. And as we stood outside the Gaiety, I asked Charlie Park from Ellis Brown, when were these elevations produced? That was done in 1991. When we started work on the, the complex, we were looking at the arcade and the, the villa and the colonnade uh, <coughs> with a view to coming up with a master plan about how the place should be redeveloped. It was obviously in a poor state at the time and required some substantial work. So we started in 1990 and in 91 we produced the master plan with the elevations and all the sketches that you referred to. Yeah, and a wonderful plan as well because the whole of the walkway above the colonnade was glass covered by if I remember rightly. That's correct yes we were looking to provide a, a winter garden approach which linked the upper level of the colonnade all the way along to the upper level of the villa and that would give us an area that could be covered and used throughout the winter bearing in mind the weather that we get and the prom here and in doing so we incorporated one or two elements of it like a bandstand in the middle which could play either to the gardens or out onto the prom and a couple of tea rooms just to give it some life throughout the winter and there was an old tea room there wasn't it on the side of the villa don't i remember there was a number of things on the side of the villa the villa had a, a colonnaded frontage in the original days and there was a bit of a tea room linked onto the gardens at that point on the opposite side from the garden entrance to the uh, garden room but I don't think it was particularly well used and it wasn't that accessible uh, at the time. These plans were put to, it would have been Douglas Borough Council at the time? That's correct yes we did it on behalf of the Douglas Borough Council but also with the involvement of the government. We th- also went out to public consultation at the time with a view to asking a number of people what they thought should happen to the villa, what should be incorporated in any redevelopment and we got a good response to that, including the Lord Bishop who was very helpful at the time. But I suppose this is the life of a job in architect that you produce these wonderful plans and they don't happen? Well, we produced the plans with a view to something happening (laughs) Uh, I suppose, I mean we looked at the overall requirements in the overall complex obviously the part we weren't looking particularly at at the time was the overall cost and whether it could be met but we did come up with a way where we could develop it in parts over a long period of time as funding became available or we could develop it all at one time if somebody made the funds immediately available so that's the way it was looked at and yeah we do have these approaches in architecture that we look at master planning sometimes it comes off sometimes it doesn't and sometimes it takes a little while to come to fruition and it may not include all of the elements that were first thought of we're going to be looking at the colonnade and also the villa marina a little bit later but now we're standing on the prom walkway looking at the gaiety theater itself how good an architect was matching <laughs> I suppose he was very good. <laughs> the 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 gaiety itself has shown, you know, what what it can be like. Uh, the interior is absolutely magnificent. The exterior obviously has the frontage onto the prom, and then rather a 
utilitarian covering over a whole lot. But yes, he was good and I think he's recognised as such. Do you as an architect sort of notice and say, gosh, he was a good architect? I suppose we do, but maybe not particularly saying, gosh, he was a good architect, more of sort of, goodness, they're nice buildings or they've been well designed or I can see what they've been trying to do there. But basically, was he just recreating what he'd done in the UK? Because there's a lot of theatres similar. There are similar theatres, but I suppose it's a genre and obviously a period and type of architecture uh, that was brought about. So, yeah, copying might not be the, the best word for it. Reflective of his work, I suppose, is better. Would you like to do something like that? It, do you get a chance to do architectural designs in that style anymore? We could if we found the right site and the right client, but, you know, it's a question of moving on. Uh, sometimes it's appropriate to reflect on the architecture of the past, but it's better, I suppose, to be putting in something of our time so that something remains for the future generations of what was good architecture of the 20th, 21st century as opposed to reflecting 18th, 19th, early 20th. But I suppose we all ought to be rather pleased that they kept the Gaiety Theatre. Oh yes, there are buildings obviously that require to be kept because of their importance and their appearance and yes, it, it needs to be kept. I suppose it's in the same way as when we did the villa, we respected the villa main element, which was the Royal Hall and the style of that. I think that's what it's about. We then moved inside the Gaiety Theatre and I said it had a warm, welcoming feel. Yes, quite close to the stage in the way that it's been designed. A lot of the seating's brought in and, and wrapped around. So, yes, it's comfortable from that viewpoint and I suppose audience-friendly. But the wonderful thing about this theatre is when you look up at that magnificent dome in the ceiling. Yes, and all the detailing around it, which you know, belies some of the external appearance of the building. Do you actually come to see any of the shows here and find yourself just looking at the ceiling? I bet, yes. <laughs> <laughs> but it is magnificent. But, but I should say that's no reflection on the shows. It's just <laughs> being an architect. <laughs> in the intervals, we'll say. <laughs> Matcham, I think, designed everything, didn't he? Yes, and when we go back into the villa um, later on, you'll see that we did the same. I think it's all part of bringing the building together. I, I don't really believe in handing over the building to somebody else to do the interiors. I think it needs to be. But at least with Ellis Brown now, does that happen very often? Or do people just want the front elevation? We try to encourage them to allow us to be involved throughout the project. In some cases, obviously, it's a like in office buildings or the like, it's mostly building the exteriors, the internal plans and having the shell ready for someone else to fit to their requirements. But if we get the opportunity, we like to do the interior work as well. And of course, when you look at this magnificent theatre, behind the safety curtain, which is down at present, there's a whole load that actually has to work in conjunction with the audience. The levels have to be right and things like that. Yes, Yes, the, the back of house and all the operational elements have got to tie in. 
and they obviously have to be properly functional for the building. And then you've got all the great traps that are downstairs underneath. You've got two big ones, you've got a coffin trap, and also you've got the Corsican trap. To actually put this together, as I said earlier, Matcham was a remarkable man. That's correct, yes. The, the whole thing's obviously coordinated design and the requirements of the theatre have been fully understood, which is where proper briefing, proper working with the client and an understanding of what is required of you comes in as the architect. But do you think, I, I don't know, we don't know that much about Matcham, apart from the fact he was a genius, but... Did he get on with the clients, do you know? Because this no is half the, half the battle, isn't it? <laughs> yes, it? Yes, I have no idea how well he got on with his clients, but on the buildings that have been produced, he obviously had some reasonable relationship with them or he wouldn't have got getting as far as he's got with the designs. But he, I think he designed the wallpapers and things like this or got the wallpapers designed. Yes, that, that has happened and happened quite frequently in the past. We've done that sort of thing as well, yes. We've sometimes designed, we've, well, at the villa we designed carpets. We designed or chose the wallpapers for all of the finishes. I mean, it, it, it's what I believe is a tr traditional architect's role to bring the whole thing together. I mean, you look at Fright Lloyd Wright buildings with all the furniture designs and everything else. Mm -hmm. it, it ties the building as a one rather than have a, a building on exterior and then a completely different interior from what the architect envisaged. But is this not a different sort of training for, for young architects to actually find out about ashtrays and find out about windows and things like that? I think it is. I, I did a slightly different form of training all these years ago by, by doing the course part-time, uh, working in an office uh, at the same time as going through college. And I found that very valuable. I think what's happening now is there's more concentration on the design elements, but not necessarily the detailing that goes with it. Now standing outside the Gaiety Theatre in the redesigned arcade. Why the modifications, Charlie? The Gaiety lacks disabled access and to make it reasonably disabled friendly. So in designing the redesigning the arcade, we made an conscious decision that we should use the difference in levels that were available from the arcade to link into the gaiety and put a set of doors there. The additional benefit of the doors are that it allows the arcade to be available to the gaiety. Uh, the public toilets within the arcade give a vast number of additional toilet facilities for patrons in the gaiety at intervals and also there's access undercover to somewhere where they can get access to the cafes. So it, it links the two together and gives the arcade a support function to the gaiety. It's nice and bright out here, isn't it? You've used sort of bright colours and glass. That must be a joy. It was a sort of glazed form of roof, but we've replaced the whole roof in clear glass and it's made a big difference to bringing the light by, natural light back in. We spoke inside the Gaiety Theatre about doing all-encompassing works. I imagine we're standing on these glorious floor tiles. That was part of your scheme? Yes, and the design of it was our design. We were fortunate that the Tile Association actually gave us an award for the tiling within the arcade when we had it completed. And the rest of the brief was to reinstate the shopping and to make the 
area a lot more usable. Hence, at the upper level, we've got that got little a, got a performance, performance space, space uh, with the focal point being the Wurlitzer organ. And that's quite a nice little intimate space up there for a small audience. Yes. The sound is pretty good in here because the brass band concerts through yes. the summer season are held up there. And that's a, a real full sound. That yes, the, the, the sound always was good within it. I mean, projection from the upper level reaches fairly well down onto the lower level. A lot of it's the resonance of the solid materials and the hard floors. Well, we better go out the lovely glass doors at the front, reflecting on what is a glorious day out there on the pond today. Yeah. We've chosen the best day of the year. <laughs> we probably that. have. But the glass doors at the front are designed in such a way that we reflect the promenade. Charlie Park from Ellis Brown and I then moved into the colonnade, but the design has been altered. That's correct, yes. We, we've altered it twice when we, since we started working on it. The first time that we altered it was when we altered it in its original position. <coughs> if you recollect, the big areas of glass were all filled in solid. Uh, when they were arcade-type games and things along the colonnade. So in the early 90s, we opened it up again so that we got the view through from the promenade to the gardens. We retained the windows from that time when we had another go the second time round, fit it in with a master plan approach, which was to set the central part of it between the villa colonnade shops back in order to create a drop-off point taxi rank for the villa. So we moved it back, reconstructed it in a new position about three metres back from where it was. Was that easy to do? You know, did you have to ask lots of questions of peoples to say, look, we want to alter this Victorian colonnade? I think we had a reasonable background from the first report that we did on the master planning. We obviously made a planning application for it. The fact that we reconstructed it in the style and forum that it had been, but in the new position, people just didn't remember after a couple of years of working on it <laughs> that that happened. The, the main problem with the colonnade in the original time was that the concrete work was all beginning to spall. The reinforcing were, was corroding, so it had to be reconstructed. So we took the opportunity in doing so to move it back in this part and create the, the lay-by. We are standing now at the back of the colonnade. That's just a great view. Yes. Looking up uh, a symmetrical colonnade. Yes, it always was a great view. What we've, what we've done is we've created the doors into the, this area, which gives much better public access to the gardens. And also it gives a space because farmers markets have used this in the past. Well, yes, it gives a space for... So it's a covered area. ...for any use. It's a covered area. It's got the protection from the prevailing winds off the prom and the sea. Moving on outside the villa, at the time of the rebuilding, was it not in good order? It wasn't in good order. We didn't have a particular brief. We were given fairly free rein to have a look at what needed to be done to, to bring the villa back into proper use, as it were, uh, back in the 1990-91 report. So looking at the function of the building, it didn't function particularly well. The entrances were on opposite sides. One directly off the prom was a poor entrance. It had no presence and it was very cramped. 
the other one off the Broadway side replicated an entrance at a higher level you were a bit confused then about where you were entering the building how the building functioned we took the decision at the time to move the entrance to the gardens so that the gardens and the building related much better and we brought the gardens into a better use and more of a use than they were just sitting there between the gaiety and the, the arcade sorry and the the villa as a garden it then allowed the, the interaction of the gardens with the buildings that was the first thing the second thing of, that helped was because of the octagonal plan of the villa if you entered from the gardens you were in the middle facing the stage which allowed you to split circulation on shorter routes and then to put support services on those circulation routes so we made the, the decision at that point that this was best for the functioning and the plan form of the building. The problem is with designs of that style, you've got so many masters, haven't you? You've got to look after Joe Public getting into the theatre, but you've got to look at the needs of performers on the stage and how they're going to get there, etc. That's correct. We, we do have a backstage entrance door and we did a lot of work on the backstage areas, a lot of work on the dressing rooms. I don't know whether you recollect, I think it was Gene Pitney at the time, there was an article that said he changed the Nisotel bedroom rather than using the villa oh dear. changing rooms. <laughs> so that, I think, reflects the condition of the building. That doesn't happen anymore because of the work we did in the changing. <laughs> but there's so many lights and things if it's a big orchestra, you, you have to get it all in from the back because some of these pantechnican lorries are vast, aren't yes, they? Yes, we, we, as part of the design, we were looking at how we do, would do that. A lot of the ideas that we had in the original concepts of the villa were the multifunction use of the whole building and the possibility even of running outside broadcast. So we, we've got an allowance by the back door for access routes in for outside broadcast cablings and for a positioning for the outcast spin technicians or whatever. So it's all been designed on linking the backstage function into the front stage. Giving it extra space because we're standing in the entranceway to the promenade suite and then you've got the colonnade suite above. That was presumably another design decision that you made two spaces available. Yes, it was. We, we looked at it and basically we, we analysed the building in its initial form and we came up with, I suppose, three phrases of the time, the good, the bad and the ugly. Uh, the good being the Royal Hall. Fortunately, over all the years of work that had been done previously, it had remained untouched. Other parts had not and works that had been carried out had not been in an appropriate style to the, the building. So reflecting on the Royal Hall as a mainstay, we then looked at the bad, which were the bits that weren't functioning very well or had major problems. And a lot of them were just the elements that ran around the Royal Hall. The Indian restaurant, which sat on the area where the promenade colonnade suites are was riddled with dry rot which was beginning to spread into the Royal Hall corridors so that brought about decisions that areas like that would have to be removed to save the building and the, the ugly were the, 
some extension parts that hadn't been particularly well done, like the backstage, for example, which we then took the view would be improved. And, and that was the starting point to, get, to clear it out. Then looking at the functionality of the building, we obviously had a main central entrance with spaces around it and to the side. So off the parts of the octagon, we created a number of spaces which could be built either independently or part of an overall scheme to help the development which could be spread off over a number of years or done in one hit, depending on funding, disruption and other considerations of that nature. So we then sort of looked at what would they be. <coughs> so the Colonnade Promenade Suite were obviously support functions that gave rooms for conference, breakout, whatever, or public use. On the other side, we had a sort of entertainment space, which was ultimately developed as the children's play area. The old entrance areas, we put in the bars on both levels, at both sides, which then split the audience into areas that could get it. But the bars facing the promenade could also, because of the views, be used independently. It's a one, once in an island lifetime opportunity and the same with a number of buildings. You build one or you refurb one, and it doesn't happen again in your lifetime. Now upstairs at the Villa Marina, looking down on the altered entrance doors. It brought a better approach to the building. It links the building to the gardens. Gave us the opportunity of putting the port cochere externally, which will allow VIPs to be dropped off undercover if need be, and then brings people in to a new entrance hall and the access then splits off the entrance hall to all the elements of the building. When you stand here and look at this, once again I was saying in the gaiety, do you get a feeling of joy that, yeah, I was part of the design of this? Oh yes, <laughs> all the time. <laughs> it, it doesn't seem to drop off after a number of years. You come in and you look at it and you think, yes, this is good. <laughs> I dare to ask this one, do you see faults? Not particularly, no. Things that you would improve? Uh, no. No? No. You, you got I, it fine. Well, no, you never get that. But I don't think there's anything that's that far off that you would want to change. One of the good things about it is that you've kept the idea, the sort of the style of the period. We, we're looking at the gentleman's door there. But that, that's nice. You've got a nice architrave around it, designs as well. Yes, these were all taken from details from the original building as influences on the design. We've, we've used the old handrail detail or an interpretation of it on the handrailing around the, the stairs and on the other stairs. We've used detailing here where we designed the lamps, uh, which was again taken from influences within the building. There's uh, a bit of influence of Glasgow Art School there, though, isn't there? There is a bit, yes. But then I was brought, <laughs> I was educated there, so yes, there's a bit of influence. But that brings us back to what we were saying earlier. Macintosh designed everything within the art school, exterior, interior, and it's the same influence that I think has lived with me as an architect all these years design the interiors and the exteriors, tie the building together. Because we've created, we're now upstairs in the villa, as I said, because that used, 
it can be a cafe, can't it, the area to the right there? Yes. And at times, there's the art gallery on the other side. Yes. The building was designed to be multifunctional and allowed use by a number of local societies so that it was truly part of the people. Since you were awarded this contract, have you had any other work as big as the Villa Marina Gaiety complex to work on? We've had a number, maybe not quite as big as this, but we have had quite a number of large projects that we've worked on. We've, the House of Mananan in Peel was one of our projects shortly after this, uh, late 1990s, early 2000s. Mm-hmm. The redevelopment and refurbishment of government offices and the extension along there was a fairly major project Um, others obviously were fairly substantial but not quite up to this level but then as I said earlier there's only one of these ever in a lifetime and you just I should imagine you don't really want to be called back are there improvements to the whole complex that you would like to do would you still like to cover over the colonnade walkway in glass that would be a big benefit for everyone. Yes, it would be nice to do that and to bring that through and also the, the addition of an element that lifted the colonnade around the frontage to give a base to the building onto the prom and then walk out on the Broadway level. There were other things in the master plan that we would like to see, the removal of the roadway that runs down between Glen Falcon Gardens and the Villa Gardens. We had a thought of just closing that and then extending all of that into a green open space as garden. That would have been beautiful, wouldn't it? It would have been, yes. But and, and there's an alternative route for vehicles. So, yes, it, it would have made a big difference, I think, in terms of the, the setting. But once again, all architectural practices are up against finance. Yes. We're up against finance. We're up against, I suppose a number of departments needing to sign up to elements such as that and it's difficult at the time to get these all pushed through together. But as an architectural practice you must get used to that, the fact that you do quite a lot of work into something and then all of a sudden it doesn't go ahead. Well yes, not not that often, on occasions yes. My guest this week has been Charlie Park from the Ellis Brown Architectural Practice. We've been looking at the Villa Gaiety Villa Marina Complex. Mark Tiley is next with Greatest Hits. Please join me again next week for another programme in the series. Or you can go to Manx Radio's webpage to listen again or check the podcast. Till next week, goodbye.